Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in our program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one, look, an interesting question. Is it okay to ban devices from your meetings? We're also going to chat with Christina Sikiotis about futuristic ideas for the next 20 years. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Janine Wilson, who's an associate with Baker Love Lawyers, about the Retail Lease Act. Good afternoon, Janine. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you once again for join, joining me. No problem. So, so we're going to have a look at a recent case of what happened to you if you entered into a possession of a retail property before a final lease has been signed or the terms agreed between the landlord and the tenant. So, so first of all, Janine, can you tell us a little bit about leases generally? Okay, sure. Uh, leases are a special type of contract between a landlord and a tenant and it can also give a grant of an estate in the land or the premises that you're leasing as well. Um, most retail leases um, in New South Wales are covered by the New South Wales Retail Leases Act. Um, what that act does is sits across the top of your contract arrangements. It can cancel out any provisions that are in a retail lease that aren't in accordance with the act, but it generally it tries to get the parties to negotiate and agree the contractual terms between themselves. Um, one of the things that it does provide for is a minimum term of five years for most retail premises. Mm-hmm. Um, the a retail premises is very widely defined, so most types of shops where you sell or supply goods or services will be covered by the Act. Um, the types of things that the Act doesn't apply to are very large shops that are over a 1,000 square metres, or there are some specific types of shops that aren't covered, like ice skating rinks and things of that nature. Um, and, or the other thing that it generally doesn't apply to is short-term leases of under six months. However, one of the issues that we'll talk, come back to in a minute is there is a section of the Act that provides that the, le- that the Act does apply to some short-term leases if they extend beyond the initial six months. So, so what would happen then if I set up a, a shop before a lease is finalised? Well, that, that actually, it's, it's relatively common that people do this. Often uh, leases are negotiated over a period of time um, and it's the case that they want to get in and set up their business at an earlier point in time. So in this situation, that can go on for a while. What the Retail Leases Act says is that the lease actually starts when the tenant enters into possession of the shop, and it will also imply that the lease is for five years in duration. So what's happened in the case that I'll tell you about in a second is what happens when a situation of dispute arises between the landlord and tenant, and that's in that period where the tenant has moved into the shop but before a lease is actually signed. So uh, this particular case of Ginch and the Polish Club, how, how does it answer that particular point? Well, this, is, this has been a long, hard-fought case. It's been in all courts, Supreme Court, Court of Appeal, and, and recently in the High Court. And as you know, very few cases get to the High Court, so it's very interesting to see a leasing dispute get that far. Mm. So, so what happened in this case is Mr and Mrs Ginch, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but that's what we'll go with for today. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> they entered into exclusive possession of a restaurant area in the Polish club, which is like a RSL club. But at the time they did that, the final terms of the lease hadn't been agreed. Um, there was obviously nothing signed between the parties. Now, during the first few months of that occupation, a dispute arose between the directors of the club and Mr and Mrs Ginch. So what the club tried to say was, well, there's no signed lease here, so you've got no right to be in this premises whatsoever, and they kicked them out, changed the locks and kicked them out. So what the Ginches did was commence proceedings in the Supreme Court of New South Wales 
claiming that they had a five-year lease already under the terms of the Retail Leases Act, even though there was nothing in writing. So what the court found was that it didn't matter that there was nothing in writing. From the date that they took possession of the shop, um, the period they were in occupation extended past the first 12 months. Um, And even though the lease could have been terminated by either party on a month's notice during that time, once it goes over a 12-month uninterrupted occupation, the Retail Leases Act applies. Mm. So what that meant was the Ginters were able to take advantage of the minimum five-year term that's provided in the Act, which gave them an automatic lease, even though it was not in writing. Mm. So, so it's a bit like an ordinary contract anyway. Once the once the terms are starting to be implemented, it's accepted as the case, isn't it? That's right. And, and in this case, the even though a dispute had arisen and even though the club had tried to kick them out, 18 months after they started um, being in possession of this property, they were still able to avail themselves of the five-year minimum term that's in the Retail Leases Act. Mm. And they were compelled, well, the club was compelled to have them there for the whole five years. Mm. So, so some, just some final points for us uh, if we're entering into leasing then, both, both sides, whether we're a, a, a landlord or a tenant. Yeah, look, it's an interesting case in that a lot of people seem to think when there's nothing in writing, there's no binding a- yeah. arrangement between two parties. And the Retail Leases Act is obviously very much against that proposition. And yeah. this is an interesting example of how long a situation can be left going with nothing formalised in writing. Uh, as a landlord, you can't sit back and say, well, the lease is not signed. I don't have any obligations to this tenant at all. Mm. Certainly, you have to watch your timing. So once your tenant has been in occupation for over 12 months, you might find you're bound to have a five-year term of a lease with that tenant, despite what your original intentions were. Mm. So, so that five years is, is pretty standard, isn't it? Or unless it's negotiated out of. Yes, you can negotiate out of the five-year minimum term in the Retail Leases Act, but to do that, you need to get a certificate from a solicitor saying you're aware of that right and you don't want to take advantage of it. That didn't happen in this case, obviously, and um, that's, they managed these tenants managed to get themselves a full five-year lease. So from a tenant's point of view, a lot of people just say, I don't want to sign a lease so I can get out quickly if I have to. That's also not the case, is it? Well, yeah, that, that's, that's tricky too. But yeah, it's certainly not the automatic case that you can just walk away from a premises after a period of time just because you think there's no signed lease in place. Mm, all right. So uh, as always with this sort of information, the best thing to do is seek legal advice, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time, Janine. We'll have a chat with you another time. All right, not a problem. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Janine Wilson there from Baker Lover Lawyers helping us to understand the Retail Lease Act and just be aware that just because you haven't got a written lease in place, whether we're a landlord or a tenant, we may still be covered by that act and seek some legal advice. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's just coming up to 23 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiadis to have a chat on um, innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well. And of course, yesterday was October the 21st, 2015, yeah. and everybody was talking about uh, Back to the Future and how many of those uh, little gadgets and things uh, had come true. So we thought today we'd have a look at some futuristic ideas for the next 20 years. Yep, we can. And I'd, can I just say one of the one of the um, things that got me the most about the Back to the Future was the um, was the biometric scanners, the fingerprint scanners as door unlockers, because now we're into fingerprints for iPhones and 
and oh, iPads nice. and we're into um, retinal scanners to, to, for entry into doorways and things like that. So that was an amazing prediction they made way back then. Mm. But moving forward, there's a um, if I can start with a young man by the name of Jack Andraka who was out here recently um, speaking at a couple of innovation conferences. When he was 15 years old, he, he um, had an experience where a friend of his, an elderly friend of his, had pancreatic cancer. Some research that he did around that um, determined to him that the problem with survival rates for pancreatic cancer was that it wasn't detected early enough. Mm. So he put his mind at the age of 15 to um, coming up with an effective early screening for pancreatic cancer. The idea came to him during a biology class. He was having about antibodies at school. And at the same time, he was reading an article on carbon nanotubes. Now, obviously, this guy... Is uh, you know he's he's out there as far as his science and everything else goes. Mm. What he planned on from there, he actually contacted two hundred professors, and he sent them a plan, a budget, a timeline to work through this process. He had one hundred ninety nine rejections. So uh-huh. let's just remember all the conversations we've had about resilience and yeah. the you know how many times you get rejected. Until one professor said, yes, let's work on this. Mm. The end, end result of that was they came up with an early detection for pancreatic cancer that was so much, um, cost Ahead. so much less than what the, 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 um, the test at the time did. Um, and he has gone on to produce it. He's been, they had criticized his approach, they'd criticized everything about it. He used YouTube, he used Wikipedia, went forward, developed it. What he's working on now is injecting nanorobots. He's 18 years old now. He's working on injecting nanorobots into the bloodstream to see if these nanorobots, and he'll he'll get it eventually, can detect um, cells as they go a little haywire, which is what a cancer cell is. It's it's one cell that Mm. goes haywire and then it it, um, multiplies. So he's working now on injecting nanorobots into our bodies to detect early detection of cells that go rogue which then reminded me about an article that I um, read from Peter Diamandis, who is the, um, one of the founders of Singularity University. And what he was talking to a friend of his called Ray Kurzil, um, who is a futurist. Now, he has something like an 86% success rate or, or perfection rate in what his predictions have been. And going further on from those nanorobots being injected into our bodies... One of his predictions is by the year 2030, or in the early 2030s, we will be injecting nanorobots into our brains via capillaries, and they will be able to fully immerse us in virtual reality. Mm. And what that actually means is because they're going to cross, the, or they're going to connect the neocortex to the internet. It's a bit way out there, but you know we're talking predictions and we're talking back to the future and we and think matrix. When you're thinking this stuff, think matrix. Um, but that we will actually be able to come into, or via our neocortex, we'll be able to connect with the internet, which means for people like me who have absolutely no navigational skills, um, <laughs> I'll be able to go, I need to go to, you know, blah, 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 and I'll be able to find the map. In your mind. Map in my mind. Yeah. I'll be able to send you thoughts. We probably won't even need to do this radio interview in the year 2030, Julian, because we'll just be able to mentally transmit our conversation to, to all wow. the listeners. Um, he's talking about, you know, virtual experiences that we'll be able to have. So, again, think Matrix around that. Yeah. It's just absolutely incredible um, what we'll be able to do if all these predictions come true. So we'll be able to uh, transport ourselves. That's the big one, like off Star Trek. 
Potentially, yes. <laughs> or we may not even need to. Like Matrix, we may just need just to lie there and, and imagine where we are, yeah, and then we'll be there. So Fantastic. who knows what's possible. Great. Well, you have a great week, uh, and we'll see how that pans out in 30 years' time. We shall, and I'll mentally transport you some information about what we'll talk about next week throughout That's, the week. Sounds great. Have a great week. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Christine Sikiati is there. Look, look at you know, all those films have got all those way out things, and a lot of them have come true. Be interesting to see whether some of those ideas come true. We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips, and this one's an interesting one because we've just been talking about technology and the increasing of technology. It's okay to ban devices from your meetings. We love to hate meetings, but since they aren't going away anytime soon, we should think of ways to make them more effective. One answer is to ban devices. The reason is simple. Devices distract us. Many people think they can finish an email or read through a Twitter feed while listening to someone in a meeting. But research has shown we really can't multitask. When we are focused on our phones, we're missing important information being discussed and ignoring opportunities to contribute to the conversation. Devices are also distract others. Research suggests that we feel annoyed when people are on their devices during a meeting, yet we fail to realise that our actions have the same effect on others. When people are presenting, they can also feel hurt or insulted when someone reaches for their phone, especially if that person is a senior leader. So leave your phone behind and pay attention. So some interesting comments there, although of course sometimes people do use those devices to record information on. So it's going to be a difficult question as to whether you actually ban them or not. And what about this one? Overcome the midday slump. Doing your best work requires focus and energy, but it's hard to stay focused for eight hours straight. How can you feel more energised throughout the workday? Well, there's a number of points here. Tailor tailor your task to your energy. Most people are at their best in mid-morning and late afternoon. So organise your to-do list around these peaks and valleys. Get up and move. Any kind of physical movement will boost your alertness and energy levels. Take a brisk walk around the block, walk up some stairs or stretch at your desk. Thirdly, meditate. Mindfulness exercises are great ways to engage in restoration during the day. Even Steve Jobs swore by it. Fourthly, don't rely on caffeine. Rather than giving you more energy, coffee masks the effects of low energy level. Use it strategically like ahead of a big meeting. And finally, get more sleep. It's the number one predictor of success. So some interesting points there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked briefly at the Retail Lease Act and how it could apply to you and maybe some futuristic ideas. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll chat with Stephen Markey, have a minute on innovation with Christina, and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you, at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week, and as Sir Edmund Hillary once said, people do not decide to become extraordinary. They decide to accomplish extraordinary things.